0: Hello and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, my co-host Justin Baker and I here for another episode of Overtime Hockey Talk. And on today's episode, as the Montreal Canadiens have recently packed up house and fired everybody in their executive branch of their team, uh, we thought it appropriate to talk about them and other teams that have the potential to... uh, to have a little firing squad going on in their organization. So, uh, Justin, you know, I, before we dive into all that, I know that you're, you're, uh, back to doing glory of Christmas, a big Christmas production at your church. And, uh, and we're not talking like, Hey, here's like a few hundred people that come to this. This is like how many people come to glory of Christmas?
1: Oh my gosh. I think the year before, well, two years ago, pre COVID when we did it, we we did 12 shows or 11 shows and had thirty five thousand tickets sold Jeez.
0: that's amazing yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's like all of metro detroit that would possibly go to a christmas show there you go <laughs> you've got going on yeah so how's uh how's that going
1: oh my gosh that's been uh it's, it's been crazy but i will say it's it actually is a little less crazy than it normally is so usually um for, for those who don't know. So this big glory Christmas play is basically like we do two big acts. One is like all Santa reindeer stuff. And then the second half is obviously the, the nativity stuff. But, um, typically we, we do rehearsals and stuff starting in August, September, and it all leads up to now. And so because of COVID, they really didn't do any of that stuff. So we just kind of jumped right into it. Like I'd say about a month and a half ago and just went full force. And, um, uh,
0: Oh, really? Been, I didn't know that you hadn't been rehearsing for very long.
1: No, no. So like, yeah, there's, um, it's funny because, you know, we only, I mean, really with the orchestra, we have like, we have this huge orchestra that we hire out and bring in. So there's maybe like 30, 40 orchestra pieces down in the pit of our church here. And I think maybe we got four rehearsals in with everybody and that was it.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, no. uh, that's, that's not a lot for what, for what the production is. That's not a lot.
1: yeah it's like i mean it's a two hour two and a half hour production you know that we we throw on there so it's crazy and they uh, they
0: have a lot of people from past years so that like and do the same thing so everybody kind of is like all right i'm familiar with what's happening
1: yeah pretty much that's yeah we i think we changed one song uh this year that was it everything else stayed the same so uh, of course it was my my wife's solo song that they changed and so they gave her a new song to do and uh, she's the only she's,
0: person in the whole thing that had to learn something new. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Perfect. That's great. Yep. Well, uh, well let's let's get back to hockey and uh let's jump into the Montreal Canadiens because, you know, as, as everybody at this point knows, you know, Mark Bergevin fired Scott Mellenby, uh, let go, and Jeff Gorton brought on as the you know hockey ops guy, essentially executive director, whatever you want to call him, the CEO, uh, lots and lots of potential names that you you could throw out to describe what he's going to do. Uh, but essentially, the I, I think he's the executive vice president of hockey operations is his technical title, but he's the CEO of the Montreal Canadiens for all intents and purposes. And he's going to go out and find a GM who can speak French because he can't. <laughs> That's uh, pretty much the uh you know, he's he was always the background guy in New York and uh and now you know, here he is the trying trying now to be the background guy in Montreal and I've heard a lot about uh how he's he likes he doesn't like to have the, the FaceTime. That's why this is a great job for him. He'll have a GM and he'll have FaceTime. I do not buy that. How in the world in Montreal doesn't matter if you have some GM as a face in front of you. You don't think Jeff Gordon is going to be pressed and like people are going to want to talk to him and he's, he's going to be a, somebody that is going to have a significant role in how this team is perceived. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't see it in Montreal.
1: No, I mean, essentially they're the New York Yankees of the NHL, right? I mean, they're one of the most historic franchises ever. Uh, winningest franchise ever so you think with the canadian media the way they are and um you know i'm sure you know that you know being a toronto maple leafs fan how how crazy the the media can get up there sometimes and i i mean again there's there's no hiding in any background when it comes to this sort of team especially an original six franchise now if he was say for example you know taking over a team like uh gosh, I don't even like the Minnesota wild or maybe even Arizona, for example, it would be, you know, he could, yeah, probably disappear in the background a little bit, but there's no, uh, there's no hiding here in Montreal. No,
0: now You know, he, he was asked, you know, what's your criteria for looking for a new GM and his, his quote is this somebody that has a great knowledge of hockey and an understanding of how the business works. We'll look at everything. What we want to do as a group is look at all candidates and pick the very best based on what they have. Maybe it's a person that doesn't have a ton of experience as a general manager, but what else do they have and what else can they bring to the table? How else can they help us look at different scenarios? And then and he goes on saying that uh, maybe they would be a little out of the box. And someone who compliments me is how he finishes that quote. Uh, I think if you kind of read between the lines, you see, I want somebody who isn't like me. And we don't really care if they have a lot of experience because I'm going to be pulling the strings, <laughs> right. right? Like he's the GM. He's just not going to be the face of the, the criticism. He's going to be the, like, he's looking for somebody who's going to be, yes, of course you're not just bringing somebody in to be your bitch, but <laughs> here, you're bringing somebody in to who maybe has a different perspective, but also is going to, uh, is going to probably essentially do what Jeff Gordon wants.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's not looking for anybody who's going to be pushing back on every decision or is like, Hey, you know what? I'm actually the GM. We're going to go this route. It's no, when you say somebody who compliments me in a press interview, I mean, literally you're just, you're stating, I want somebody who's going to just be my whipping boy, but essentially still bring something <laughs> yes, to the yes, table. Yes. right? I mean,
0: <laughs> yes, the whipping whipping boy is uh, that sounds about right. Um, uh, <laughs> Yeah, the uh, there there's there's several people that have been tossed around, you know, there's been uh I think what like Daniel Brière's name has been thrown around. Yeah. Uh, there there's there's quite a few, you know, obviously like assistant general managers throughout the league. If you can speak French, then I I think you've got a shot at this job if you have some level of executive experience within an organization.
1: Yeah. But here's my question. I I understand why the Canadians are seeking somebody who speaks French because they are a uh, French speaking providence. I mean, that's their that's their language. Right. But at the same time, why does that have to be a criteria for you? To, I mean, I understand the media part of it, but like you're really boxing out a lot of good candidates for for a general manager when you just, when you say they have to speak French or we just, we can't hire them. I mean, that's, that's a little ridiculous in my mind. I, well, I think if you find somebody who's willing to learn to speak French, that would be awesome. But why, I mean, I just, I never understood that to me, you know, especially in, in Montreal, why you have to speak French. I mean, it just,
0: I think I, to that me that you, just, you limit it. I think that if you went to Montreal, you would, you would probably, uh, or you talk to somebody who is French in Montreal, you know, uh, I I think it's just a, it's a thing (laughs) you got to have someone, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) You got to have, have certain, certain people in that organization that speak French. And I, I imagine as time goes along that, you know, maybe in the next generation it's going to become more like, okay, come on, we, we don't have to do this, but I think we're probably in the last, you know, maybe, maybe the last generation of it being a requirement, but you have Jeff Gordon. And now you can go and you can find somebody who you know again, is essentially like your face of the executive crew. he's gonna he's gonna love if nobody talks about Jeff Gordon and that people just talk about the GM. And right. that guy needs to be somebody who can speak the local language, which i which I do understand. Uh, the head coach I understand I, I I am more on the same page as you because a head coach. There's only so many guys that you, know, you want the best guy, and, and you're talking about a team not necessarily made up of a bunch of people that f- speak French, anyways. Like, look up and down Montreal's roster and figure out how many of those guys are fluent in in French. I mean, it just it doesn't matter from a like maybe Jonathan Drouin and Cedric Paquette, Matthew Perreault. I don't know if Matthew Perot I, I, he's from Quebec, so I'm guessing that he that he speaks French. But there's your three guys who are born in Quebec, three players. Now, there's probably plenty of other players who who English isn't their first language, but they know how to speak English. <laughs> and right. it, it, to me, the head coach position matters far far less. Uh, you probably need to have one position within your hierarchy of that team who can go talk to the media and speak in French. I I understand that. Um, the coach, I feel like that's, it's, that is a silly, a silly concept. Like who cares? There, there's, it's, it has nothing to do with the team. It is everything to do with the fans. And, and I, you know, I, I understand there's probably this like, well, I mean, Hey, the fans are the people that are, they're the reason why we, are one of the richest teams in the league. Uh But I think you could get away with a coach that doesn't speak French, but as long as there are really good coaches that speak French, they all want to go and coach the Montreal Canadians, right? Like that's, that's the other oh, side sure. of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, what I will say too, is winning solves a lot of problems. So if you're, if you're going to the Stanley cup finals or in the conference finals every year, really, I mean, no one's going to care in Montreal that the guy doesn't speak French anyway. So <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And I, you know, Montreal's struggles this year are I think less about team construction and more about hey they their their goalie gone their top defenseman's gone they lost their top center and you know if they wanted to keep their top center it sounds like they they should have done this sooner because potentially Dino would have stayed had Bergerman not been there uh, this is what I heard so that you know the, this what are you gonna do? You, what team could lose their top center, their top defenseman, and their goaltender and not fall drastically in the standings? Not to mention the fact that Montreal wasn't exactly a regular season juggernaut. You know, they had a great run, uh, but they they weren't or they weren't winning presidents trophies or anything in in the way they were constructed because they they constantly were in that middle spot, even when they were, you know, just missing the playoffs, they would still be in the 18, 19, 20 range. And they never really got that super high draft pick that could have you know, given them some kind of superstar. So I wonder now if, you know, maybe we see a couple years of tanking from the Canadians, if this is the way that it's going to go. I don't know.
1: Oof. Yeah. I kind of get that feeling too. I mean, listen, when you, like you said, when you lose, three centerpieces from your team boy that's tough to recover for any team I mean you know you look at what Pittsburgh they were barely able to keep their head above water and they just you know obviously Sidney Crosby is on a whole other level than you know maybe any other one of those players right now the way they're playing but I mean regardless it's it's hard to be successful when you're when you're missing three key pieces like that let alone their the rest of their team just doesn't really seem to be playing up to potential right I mean you have You know, not only did they lose their, you know, Philip Deneau, but they lost Cook and Niami too. So they lost really two two top centers for this team in my opinion. And so, you know, again, any team's gonna struggle losing that kind of quality, you know, players down the ice and so trying to recover and really I mean, they bring in Mike Hoffman. Well, yeah, that's you know, a guy who, you know, again can score some goals, but he's not a difference maker on the ice. He's not a guy who's gonna drive a whole entire line or or be a, a team, you know, as far as, you know, leading a team in points, that kind of production. So, um, and Jeff Petrie, I mean, he just kind of, uh, I don't know what happened to him, man. He just, he's just not having the same type of year. And it really seems to be the the story with a lot of these other Canadian players. And, you know, unfortunately it's, it's kind of like, you know, like you and I talked about a few years back, Calgary, everybody on their team having, you know, career years, now it seems like everybody in Montreal is having career-low years right, right now. So right. They yeah. picked a bad time to all suck at the same time.
0: Yeah, or they picked a really good time.
1: <laughs> right, depending on yeah. how you look at it, right? Because what's-his-face, Shane Wright coming out of the draft, maybe that's somebody. But unfortunately for Montreal, they don't even have their first-round pick. I mean, that's true. they traded that one away, so now they got to rely on Carolina to suck this year, which is not going to happen to get a good first-rounder.
0: No. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah, you're right, that's the other... I guess the that tough part of yeah you traded away your first round pick so now I mean that went to uh, what f- to Arizona although I think uh, no there's a condition the better of Montreal Carolina's 2022 first round pick but if either uh, are both either or both are top ten picks then Montreal would instead transfer to Arizona the worse of Montreal and Carolina's 2022 first round pick so. Okay. Montreal does get to keep their pick if it's a top ten pick, which it now looks like it will be. So, right. uh, so okay. Arizona is going to get Carolina's pick, which, <laughs> yeah, that that looks like it's probably going to be you know probably somewhere in the twenties, maybe maybe closer to thirty, depending on how this team does in the playoffs. They they look they look real good. I mean, their last ten games notwithstanding. Uh all right. So Montreal, I mean, also on top of that it sounded like Mark Bergervan was just done. Uh, he wanted a lot of money because the job requires a lot of stress. And so I, I understand like it, there was more or less, I think this was, I I'm done. Like this is just too much. It's tons of stress. COVID has been insane and he's been there for 10 years. He was done. And then I think at the same time, uh, Jeff Molson and him just kind of found themselves on different pages for the first time ever because they were so tight for a long time that now you've, you know, it was, it was more or less just, we're not going to re-sign them. So why would we keep them on for the rest of the year when we can bring in Jeff Gordon, who obviously did a really nice job with the Rangers rebuild. Uh, granted, he's not going to get credit for it. It's going to be Chris Drury who gets the credit, but hey, let's be honest. This Rangers rebuild is almost all Jeff Gorton. And he's he's responsible for bringing in Artemi Panarin for drafting, and 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 taking having the guts to go to tell Rangers fans we're gonna be bad. And in return, they got Capo Caco and Alexis Lafreniere. Like they set themselves up to uh, to be really good in the future. And and the Adam Fox deal. <laughs> Don't forget about that one. So I mean, he's got a lot of deals in his history where. Uh, he was able to take a team that was middling and tank them, and then bring them back to to glory. I guess, granted, he did get a little lucky with that Lafreniere pick because that was that was the uh, the weird draft thing where they they got that pick even though they made the playoffs or whatever.
1: Right, they or jumped more. up like ten spots.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, Montreal. We'll see, what, we'll see what happens to them. The rest of the year, though, I think is a wash.
1: <laughs> they're, yeah.
0: They're going nowhere. Especially now Now, there's really no rush for Carey Price to come back. And uh, I did see that they are starting a, a program for their players for like a mental health program for their players and, and people in their organization because they're going... People in our organization are not mentally healthy. Why? And I think that... The stress in Montreal probably just uh, you need that little extra layer of accountability and and help. And I, I I wonder if other organizations with a a higher pressure gauge like a Toronto, uh, you know, depending on depending on the the year, well, like a Vancouver. Basically, every Canadian team <laughs> needs their own right. needs their own uh, team of. Of a psychologist or something, or a psychiatrist. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, what what team do you think is most likely to pull a Montreal right now and go and fire well, a lot of people?
1: I think you you already just mentioned their name in there, and I I want to throw Vancouver out there, their name into the hat because man, this team just this team lacks identity right now. This team lacks a lot of things. And, you know, it's funny, I was listening to uh, Sirius XM the other day, NHL radio, love, watch, or love listening to that on the, the drive into work, but they mentioned particularly that they have one guy, in, you know, one guy on this roster that they think, okay, if everybody could play like this guy, this team would be so successful. That's JT Miller. Um, love everything this dude brings to the team. And so when I when I look at him and then looking at the rest of the team, I kind of now see what they're talking about when I'm like, man nobody else I mean it's it's very rare I think maybe outside of Bo Horvat there's not very many players on this team where I look at it and like okay you're not hustling out there you're not moving your feet you just kind of you really lack that extra step that I think a lot of successful teams seem to have or a lot of successful players seem to have when you know when I look at other guys like Brock Besser, Elias Pedersen, Quinn Hughes they just seem to just you know seem to lack that hustle that intensity that that I wish this team could bring. And then of course, you know, to me, I I think Travis green is starting to lose the locker room a little bit. It seems like, you know, the players just really aren't enjoying playing for him anymore. I don't know. I just kind of get that sense. I don't really have any real reason to back it up other than I just, just a gut feeling really. But um, yeah, I think this is a team that's poised to eventually see some, some big changes because when you look again at the, the names, the roster on paper, you think, okay, this team could and should be a, you know, at least a playoff bubble contender team. But really, they've just been, they've been faltering. And, uh, you know, I, I think without, you know, Thatcher Demko back there and JT Miller, they'd be in a lot worse than they actually were. And, you know, after, again, this season, bringing on a guy like Connor Garland and, uh, you know, OEL, I think they, they again, should have been more successful than what they are right now.
0: Uh, they're definitely regretting the OEL up very very quick well, <laughs> a lot a lot quicker than i i thought they would now see the one thing with vancouver uh when it comes to i mean we all know you got to shoot the puck to score and generally teams that are that are high in shots on goal are successful like when you look at the top 10 teams actually top top 11 teams in the uh shots for category you will find ten playoff teams, and the only team that's in there that is not a playoff team are the Vancouver Canucks. So you wonder, uh, I guess. Well, okay, the Vegas Golden Knights aren't aren't a playoff team either. They're they're eleven. They will be, <laughs> but they will be. Yeah, but Vancouver is eighth in shots four. Uh so the, I mean, they're they're producing uh, some level of offense. Now, I mean, I guess. I'm not looking at like high danger chances uh, because they've been losing so often they may be throwing the puck in the net. but I mean the fact that they are scoring at such a low pace, but shooting so often uh, shows that like some there there may be a level of of uh, of luck that has played against them uh, because when you shoot the puck a lot, you score like there's a certain percentage that you're gonna score, and they're just not doing it right now. Uh, that, I, I mean, a sixty-five point nine percent penalty kill. I mean, how how are you going to compete when <laughs> when other teams? If you get three power plays in a game, they're scoring once. <laughs> like you are, you are. That is, it's ho- terrible. So, I mean, that that's probably the biggest issue there is. They they can't kill a penalty and. They're down with, uh, with Winnipeg, Arizona, Montreal, Ottawa as the top five worst PKs in the league. And you're, and you're not going to survive that way, uh, especially when it's not like their power play is special either. I mean, their power play is at uh, uh, 17.4, so they're 20th in the league in power play. So your special teams are practically, probably worst in the NHL Overall, I mean that right there is what's gonna kill you. Like you can you can be pretty good five on five and if you can't do it at all on a special teams, you're gonna need some pretty special things to help you to win and and that's just not happening for Vancouver. Which you're right, when you talk about coaching, it seems as though special teams are the most coached area of the game. Like it's the area where you, you know, on a PK, you know where you're supposed to be. There's, there's four guys on the ice. You make a box, you make a, a diamond, whatever it is, your, your style is. And you know where to go when the puck goes to a certain place. Like it's a pretty methodical way of killing a penalty. There's, there's not generally a ton of, oh, just go out there and see what happens <laughs> as opposed to five on five, which you do have a little more freedom, uh, and and then the the same thing, the power play I mean the power play is very methodical. you guys know where to be and and you know what shots to take, and you know the percentages of of high danger chances and how to get it They get the puck to those danger chances and Vancouver's just not really doing it, so uh that to me says you're that you are right they the coaches have just lost this team nobody is nobody's doing. Or following the the method that has been laid out, whether that's because they just don't want to, or uh, people like, people have just they've just lost the room completely. Uh, but it sure looks like Vancouver is about to go ham on their on their coaching staff on their GM. Like I think that probably Travis Green. What's the point in firing him right now? I don't know. I, I think you you got like. I, I'm. I can't imagine that uh, that this executive branch of the Montreal Canadiens lasts much longer.
1: Yeah, it, you know when you look at Travis Green, I mean he's been there now for four plus years and he's never. Uh, you know, I maybe think five years now at this point, but he's never finished higher than fourth place. And you again, like I mentioned earlier, when you look at the talent on paper he has in front of him, he should have a team, especially in such what you know coming into the season we thought was a pretty weak pacific division he should have been able to take charge or take advantage of that and uh really hasn't been able to seize the opportunity it's not like i mean outside of losing chris tanev i think really this this team hasn't lost any major pieces to where they would take such a a drastic step backwards uh as far as you know sitting in eighth place in the pacific division right now i mean you know seattle is what it is i think they've been on a you know they've been on a little bit of a hot streak but um you know, still they're they're gonna be at the bottom of that division and you look at other teams like San Jose for some reason have decided to start winning. Uh Anaheim <laughs> just came out of nowhere, but for some reason Vancouver just decided to just go completely opposite of Anaheim and just tank to the bottom right now. Well
0: and you know I, I do think that uh, this is this to me is it's as much as it is on Travis Green, uh it's it's on Jim Benning. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious he needs sure. to go. He's been there this is his eighth season. And he's made the playoff tw- playoffs twice. And one of those times was like, I, I think both those playoff appearances, in the beginning of the season, it was like, my ah, Vancouver's not going to be very good. And then it was like, oh, Vancouver squeaked into the playoffs. Wow. And they won that one round. They've won one round, right? Like in his eight years, that's not enough. And uh, No. And, and based on the team that, yes, you're right, on paper, this team looks really good. Uh, but it's clear that that, that's happened before every time the Canucks are good on paper something is going wrong <laughs> and it just I don't think that it can continue with with Jim Benning at the helm and it to me looking like he's got to go uh, and some new life needs to be breathed into that organization and maybe it's uh you know maybe that's Scott Mellenby, who was let go by the Montreal Canadians as the assistant GM out there, I, I think that he would be a, a really good fit and he was he was able to uh, to draft a lot of good players l- late for Montreal and I think you, you may see uh, you know uh, Vancouver is going to have some high draft picks here so uh, Scott Mellenby would be a good pick. Uh, I don't anyone else that you that you would look at out there in Vancouver to come in and save the organization.
1: Vancouver, man, I don't, at this point, just roll the dice. You know, for me, <laughs> I mean, when you look at what Jim Benning's brought in and brought out right now, you lose Jacob Markstrom, who's now looking like he's at the top of the Vesna pool as far as candidates with him and, you know, other other guys like Jack Campbell and Bobrovsky, but, uh, you know, Chris Tanev looks like a revelation in Calgary, speaking of, I mean, his, his metrics are off the chart and just so good as analytics right now for that team. And so uh, bringing an OEL who's looked like a disaster, again, I think you could – Almost bringing anybody else at this point, they're probably going to do a better job.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Vancouver on the axing on the on the chopping block. There, we'll axe them off. Uh, what other team do you look at right now and say, "Well, I"? Oh, we were going to talk the New York Islanders because they've lost now ten in a row.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> uh, but uh, but Barry Trotz is not getting fired. Lou Lamarillo not getting fired. We we know like not not for this season. Uh, they, I thought that they would they would put some decent things together because they finally got some home games. Oh four and one at home, so things not not looking good for the Islanders in New York. Uh, something's going on with this team. Now I know it looks like they're like way way in last place, but really they've played. Seven fewer games than Montreal, five fewer than Buffalo. Like, there there are some teams ahead of them that have played a lot more games. So I think that'll work itself out. But this is supposed to be the defensive team of the league, right? Like they're they're top five. Barry Trotz came in and turned them into a a defensive juggernaut, and all of a sudden this looks like the year before, uh, the year before they you know. Got good because the New York Islanders cannot score for their life. I guess defensively they haven't been awful, but thirty-six goals in nineteen games—that's less than two goals a game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. You talk about a league that the last three or four years trending upwards as far as goals for you know per game and as far as totals between two teams. Right. It's it's always been on the uptick, and now all of a sudden we're seeing it kind of plateau a little bit. And I think teams like the Islanders aren't helping that cause because, you know, again, I think coming into the season, a lot of, lot of, you know, writers, a lot of, you know, talent out there in the NHL community really picked the Islanders to be, you know, one of the teams to compete for the top spot in the Metro division. I mean, Washington yeah. has been a revelation. I didn't think they were going to be this good, um, you know, but again, Rangers, Carolina, I had them up there towards the top. So no surprise there, but the Islanders being at the bottom, granted, again, you know, four or five games less than all the other teams in this division. But, uh, you know, points withstanding, you know, still their their winning percentage is just, you know, again, dead last in this division. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you talk about goals for it, that's the biggest concern this team has right now, I think, because they're, you know, they still have quality goaltending. They still have good defensemen back there. But when you're scoring less than two goals a game, you're not going to win any games at all. And it's it's absolutely clear. And uh, it was funny last night. I was watching the Red Wings, and um, you know they finally managed to score a few goals, more than two, but they just can't pull out the win at this point. And uh, you know, going down their their roster here, I'm looking at, you know, guys. Uh, Zach Parise hasn't scored a goal. I, I, you know, <laughs> uh, I mean, none of their defensemen seem to have scored any goals at all either. You know, Noah Dobson, Adam Palitz, zedano Chara, no goals at all either. I mean, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Chara a pass here just because. Uh, you know his ice time and stuff, but um, you know outside of you know Wallstrom, Barzell, and Nelson, who you know I'm surprised Nelson's leading this team in goals right now. But yeah, and, and really... Anders,
0: Anders Lee is, has four goals in 14 games. That's that's not that's not awful. Not you know, over the course but of no a full assist. regular season, that's that's a 25 goal season. That's about where Anders Lee generally sits.
1: Uh, sure, yeah, but and then uh, again, too, when you talk about goals for. Uh, You know, again, I don't put a lot of weight into plus minus, but there's only one person on this entire team that is above even. So that's concerning, especially when you talk about goals for and, uh, you know, Brock Nelson, like I mentioned, who's leading this team in goals. He's shooting at almost 23 percent right now. So uh, that's going to come down at some point, too. So, uh, you know, they got to they got to pick up the slack somewhere else because he's going to I think eventually he'll start falling off as far as shooting percentage goes. So someone's got to pick up the slack and it doesn't look clear like anybody can do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I, I, this is what I'm wondering, you know, the, the way that they play is a very methodical, very systematic. And it requires, I think it requires certain players, of course, because you need guys who are all about the team. And I think they have that, but I think that it's been several years of the same thing. And I think that just wears on guys. Like, I think it's, it's a really hard place to play when you're, you're essentially you're asking guys who are not quite as good to play above their potential because they're playing in this system and it works. Uh, But how long does it work for? Like these types of teams, we tend to see this type of dip, like, I, I'd say you know if if we're gonna if we're gonna go back and look at other teams that are similar to this New York Islanders team where they're you know very good defensively, uh, not a lot of superstars. Um, I think you could kind of look at at the Columbus Blue Jackets for a little bit, where they were well coached. They you know players did emerge as really good. Granted, you know they did have Artemi Panarin, but uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets kind of were like that group of a bunch of second and third line players and they managed to do that for a little while. Uh I mean, you know, what other like I think that the the height of maybe what the New York Islanders are is very similar to the Dallas Stars where the Dallas Stars yes, they have Sagan. I don't even classify Jamie Benn as a superstar anymore. Like I think nope. ja- Jamie Benn is is your uh he's he's yeah. A little bit the better. Third than, line center. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he. It's like he's 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 on uh maybe like two years ago Kyle Palmieri kind of track. Uh, he's fine. He's a good player, but he's not. He's definitely not your your dominant guy anymore. Um, uh, so you've got Tyler Sagan, which I mean, the Islanders have Matthew Barzell. So I, I'd compare them a lot to Dallas, where Dallas has had those like last year. Dallas just couldn't couldn't put together a string of wins. And despite being a good defensive team, they, they struggle to score goals. And I think that you see those, I mean, they made the Stanley cup finals, uh, yep. but those teams that are really well coached in a system, I think they just have those off years because there's not that there's not the talent to come and and scoop you up when you need it. Like, in Colorado is anyone was anyone worried when Colorado was like second to last in that division? No, cuz there's so much talent there that they'll figure it out. But when you have a team that's just you're you're relying on a system, you're you're going to have these these weird years where like things aren't working and you have to kind of go back to the drawing board and put your system back together. And I think with the Islanders, I mean Kyle Palmieri fail, uh, Jean Gabriel Pagel. That hasn't been the great success this year that maybe it, you know you're you're hoping. I he's making good money and uh, last year twenty eight points in fifty four games. That's fine for for what he is doing, but one goal in, in eighteen games, just he hasn't been very good uh, this year. Which is another signing from Lamarillo. Zach Parisi, obviously struggling I don't think that he was really coming in to be a savior anyways but uh more or less a, a big name and somebody who you thought would contribute a little bit can't score uh, Zedona Chara hasn't been that good i I wonder if this is his final year he'll probably get dealt they'll deal him back to Boston or something like that for Boston's run uh, but yeah overall they just nothing's nothing's kind of clicking for them and i think those signings are kind of just setting them back and i think you'll find they'll they'll hit the reset button and they'll be back next year but i think this season's probably a wash for them especially having to start the year on the road like there's just been a lot of weird factors for the islanders
1: yeah yeah i can't i can't disagree i mean you know again they they need scoring uh the one thing i i think about with you know the islanders and again this team built for the playoffs right but obviously you have to get there first and Um, When I look at this team, their roster makeup up and down and, you know, say this continues beyond this season where they just they struggle to score and they have issues. I look at a guy like Matthew Barzell and I think at 24 right now, how long is he going to want to hang around for something like this before he starts raising his hand and says, hey, you know what? I know I'm an RFA in a year and a half, two years, but uh, can you move me now? Because, you know, when when Barzell first came into the league, he was explosive, a little dynamic. You know, we were always talking about his speed and ability to, to score, go to the net, that sort of stuff. But now he's he's kind of bought into that Barry Trotz system, which has had good success over the last couple of years. But when you're not scoring goals, and if again, if this continues, these struggles here, you know, at what point does a guy like Barzell, who has so much dynamic offensive capabilities, does he get frustrated and say, hey, you know what, I got to go somewhere where I can actually shine a little bit more and not have to worry so much about both ends of the ice to where i'm you know putting up mediocre numbers because again you know guys like that they they want to they want to score they want to have good totals at the end of the year and not just you know get make the playoffs every year
0: right right um let's just let's let's go across the pond here for a minute uh i want to talk about the new jersey devils because they have they're another team that's struggling, not in the way that uh not in the way that like the Islanders or the Canadians are struggling. They're five hundred. Uh, you know, two six and two in their last ten. But they'll they'll probably, you know, they'll they'll find their way back to like hover around five hundred right now. And I you know, I'm looking at Lindy Ruff, I'm looking at the job that he's he's doing there thus far. And I'm just not really that impressed with uh, with what he's doing as the New Jersey Devils coach. Uh, they finished seventh. I mean, I, it just seems like nobody's really playing above their, their potential right now. Nobody's – this isn't a great coaching job per se. This is just kind of like, well, yeah, the Devils were supposed to be like okay, and the Devils are okay, and I, we're just not going to – we're not going to talk about the fact that they're just okay. Like <laughs> – Jack Hughes, in my mind, he should be he should be doing he should be doing better than he is right now. I think Nico Heischer, uh you love what he can bring to the table as that defensive center. Uh, three goals in twenty two games. I I mean I, now I know that I, I know Jack Hughes has been hurt and he you know, five, he only got to play five games. Which, uh, which is going to hurt any organization when probably your best center isn't or one of your best centers isn't playing. But uh, overall, don't you just look at this team and go, man, something is just not – something's not clicking in terms of, of winning games. I, and I'll be honest, I haven't watched very much Devils this year. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood hasn't looked great in the games that I've watched. Uh What's going on with the Devils? And are we, are we in territory where Lindy Ruff could get fired, or are we more like, eh, we're going to give it one more year. He's only in his second year, and, and that third year will be very telling.
1: Yeah, I think right now we're at the point where they're going to still give him more time. Um, like you mentioned, Jack Hughes, you know, having been hurt for quite a while, he's a guy who, you know, this team went out – I, you look at his numbers and you say, okay, last year, 31 points in 56 games. Prior to that, 21 points in 61 games. But they managed to give him a huge extension at 8 mil. That's, I mean, that's telling to me that they think the world of this guy, that they think eventually he's going to be, you know, a $10-11 player here in the next couple of years. So they want to go ahead and just get the savings now, right? But, again, four points through five games, three goals. I think win healthy Jack Hughes is a legit, and he will be, I think, you know, after the season's over, I think he'll be a legit number one center. He'll grow into that role for the rest of the season. But in the meantime, I think this team is going to kind of middle out. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be in games, but they're not going to win too many games. And especially with that division being as tough as it is. And again, I I think this team's got a lot of good pieces, but there are a lot of other pieces where I say, you know what? They're just not playing to their potential. I look at PK Subban and has not looked that great to me this year. Um, again, you mentioned that Mackenzie Blackwood, I'm very, very high in this. this guy as a, a starting goaltender. Oh, I know you are. Yeah I know,
0: I, yeah, I know that you're, but, you're high in
1: But you know what? I, again, I think that's this this team just having dealt with injuries in and out through most of the year uh, so far, and their defense to me just isn't really playing up to snuff to where I would, would expect this team on paper. You know, Dougie Hamilton's been good. I've been fine with him, but the rest of the team... On defense, I'm just like, eh, you know, you look at a guy like Ty Smith last year, he was kind of a revelation. He was, you know, a Calder Trophy uh, candidate, but just sort of has been, eh, just, you know, below average this season I I think is a good way to put it. And, you know, so has the rest of most of that New Jersey defense. And so, um, you know, when you're not getting the greatest defense, when you're you're just getting average goaltending right now, uh, you know, Jonathan Bernier has been fine. Mackenzie Blackwood's been fine, but they haven't been good. They haven't been great. Uh, of course you're gonna struggle. You're gonna kind of middle out there. Now luckily for them, they've also had some some really nice surprises this year. I think Dawson Mercers has been just incredible to watch. He's been so much fun. I think right now he's sitting third or fourth in rookie scoring right now behind a couple red wings. And then Andre Janssen, he's been playing fantastic and I don't know how long he's gonna be able to keep that up, but again, it's been nice to see him have some success, especially with Jack Hughes being out and you know, hopefully some other guys step up, have some more success and I think you know, as this team moves forward, they're still, they're still in my mind, you know, rebuilding. I think they're still a year or two away from really being a serious team. So when you get PKs, you know, 9 million coming off the books next year, and you don't really have any other, you know, big name guys, you have to sign to huge contracts. They can go out next year and spend a couple bucks, you know, bringing maybe one or two good free agents here, middle six, top six guys, uh, or maybe sore up that back end a little bit more. And now you have a team that you know, is ready to compete in the division because eventually I'm hoping that Ovechkin slows down at some point uh, to give other teams a shot here in the Metro. But uh, you know, the way he wants to go after Gretzky's numbers, I don't think that's going to happen in the next few years. So yeah, I think we'll he see. wants <laughs> another
0: cup. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right, that's uh that's probably goal. Number one. Uh, yes. The devil. I mean, Dougie Hamilton's been, uh, uh, he's been Dougie Hamilton. He's, he's been pretty good too. Uh, now, when you when you look at the metro there's probably a team just below new jersey that is actually in this like uh something's happening here and that's the philadelphia flyers now they did just it wasn't that long ago that they fired people so it's kind of hard to to fire the gm now he's not going anywhere but the coaching staff uh that that might be a that might be another uh, a different conversation. Claude Giroux is playing fine. Uh, you know, the, the kind of the, the swap out Cam Atkinson for Jakub Voracek. That's been okay. Uh, Couturier hasn't really played that great. Only five goals in 21 games. And really they're just not getting much depth scoring. I mean, Van Reemsdyke, two goals. Uh, Ryan Ellis has, has been hurt. That definitely hurts. But Keith Yandel brought in to kind of be that power play specialist. He only has the five points, wrist aligning. He hasn't been great. Uh there there's just been a lot of well, it haven't been that good. That move hasn't turned out that well for this team. Uh what's going on in Philadelphia?
1: Yeah, I think they're trying you know, desperately to get Drew a cup here, right? And so, um really I think the pieces they brought in, the coaching, I just don't think it's it's blended well enough yet. I think, you know, I think at this point, you know, last year they made a whole bunch of moves. You know, when you don't have a guy like Ryan Ellis, for example, in the lineup who's so good at moving the puck and making that first pass to get it out of the zone, that's gonna hurt. Yeah, obviously you're gonna spend a lot more time in your defensive end when you when you can't move it out. And again, you know, outside of, you know, Proveroff, there really aren't any other guys on this defense that I think can really Uh, or have done, I guess I should say, have done a good job of moving the puck out quickly. So when you're spending more time in your defensive zone, obviously that's going to hurt you. Martin Jones, I mean, he's, you know, speaking of defensive zones, he's been looking pretty good this year. Uh, No complaints there. Carter Hart, he's been playing fine. Uh, You know, so you're getting decent goaltending. Your defense isn't playing great. And then, like you mentioned, depth scoring's not there. That really, to me, falls on coaching, I think, really the system that they're trying to play versus where these guys actually are is not really blending well. And I think at some point you have to pull the trigger and maybe make some moves here, uh, move some guys out, maybe just eat a couple million dollars and, and cap to say, for example, like moving a JVR, you know, maybe if you're willing to eat a couple million bucks, maybe you get somebody to, to take a bite or a flyer on that.
0: He just has um, so, I mean, I, I guess with the two, with two years left on that deal, yeah, you, you definitely could, you could afford to probably eat two or three million of that deal. I guess three and a half would be half of it. Um,
1: Listen, maybe you're willing to move out a younger guy uh, and JVR and maybe send him to a place like Arizona, where, you know, you've got a guy like Phil Kessel who's still capable in my mind. Now he's not going to be, you know, a line driver, uh, a Patrick Kane, or anybody like that, but he still can come in and has something to bring to this team and he could be, you know, a revelation on the wing. Because uh, again, I look at a guy like Travis connecting, for example, who should be, you know, a 25-30 goal scorer for this team and he's not doing it right now. Um, you know, I, you know again, I think that all comes down to coaching because he's got the talent and the ability I think to be able to be a 25 goal scorer in this league, but for whatever reason he's just not getting it done this year.
0: Yeah, I think there wasn't there wasn't a big level of panic for the Flyers uh like 2 weeks ago and now suddenly the Pittsburgh Penguins are rolling. They they've moved themselves into a playoff spot. They jumped over Philadelphia. And now they're, you know, they're sitting seven points up on, on the flyers. I mean, that's the flyers are seven points out of a playoff spot. And that is a a terribly difficult seven points to jump. I mean, we are what we're three weeks away from Christmas and we know Thanksgiving generally, if you're not in the playoffs, it's going to be very difficult to get in there. Now, I know Pittsburgh and Detroit both sitting in the playoffs. They have played three and four games more than the Flyers, but those are still games you you have to win. And even if they did win those three games that they have in hand, they're still not in the playoffs. So the, I mean, the Flyers are in a real, real tough position. The chances of them making the playoffs at this point probably somewhere in the fifteen to twenty percent chance. So you're not looking at at good odds to get in there. Especially the way they're playing, and and you know, sadly for Carter Hart, it's not because of Carter Hart. Carter Hart's actually played really good. Uh, right. He he's and and Martin Jones is having his best year in like five years. It's <laughs> crazy. Three or four years. Uh, so the Flyers, from a defensive standpoint, have not been bad. Uh, especially from a like from that goaltending standpoint, but the. Uh, yeah, the 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 team itself is just not really playing as a team and that's that's gonna be be a problem uh and I I, I think you're right I think there there either needs to be personnel changes or Elaine Vignon needs to be let go and he's it's hard cause he's he's only been there since April 2019 so he's coached 125 games he's got a 66 of those are wins you know he's got almost a 600 winning percentage so you can't fault the guy on that uh it's and and he's been relatively successful in the in the playoffs that that he's been a part of so it's man they're they're kind of in this spot where you have to like let this season ride and I think your only choice is to go out and see what you can kind of shake up from the roster and we know that Philadelphia has no problem shaking up the roster a little bit like bringing in those guys but It'll be very, very difficult, especially penguins get are going to start getting healthy here and they're going to be fine. Like the clearly they've, they've been able to do exactly what they, we said they had to do. They had to hold their head above water until they were able to get healthy again. And they did exactly that. They, they have been able to keep themselves well above water while they waited for Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin to get back and, you know, we're we're starting to see uh, you know, how good this team can be, even without those guys. So, I, yeah, not going to be mention, So, and Boston, and to, Boston is yeah, is, that's
1: the thing, right? Boston, they're they're coming and they're they're going to make a push, and especially like Detroit, right? I don't know at the end of the year if they're going to be a playoff team or not, but still, you yeah, have they've they won five silly, games in a row, <laughs> right? <laughs> So you know you you've got to fend off Boston as well too because at this point Philly's not going to push for one of those top three spots so they're going to be pushing for a wild card spot and Boston's going to have something to say about that if you know so they they've got an uphill battle to climb well sure. that need- and
0: that and do you really think that the Islanders are going to be this bad all year No I don't think so True I think that they'll 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 move themselves up the standing and you know, the Flyers are going to play the Islanders. They're in the same division. So those games are going to become more tough. Uh, I, and you know, Columbus is still ahead of them. And Columbus is a team that is just, they're not going to go away. They, they aren't that great, but they're not a team that you're just going to walk in and, and take an easy two points from. Uh, they're, they're going to be a team that probably hovers around the playoffs all year long until maybe, you know, when they go, well, this, we're we're not going to do anything if we randomly did make the playoffs. So we're going to make some moves. We're going to, you know, you know, shake the, shake the roster up and, and try to get some assets moving into next year. And if they do that, you know, maybe Max Domi's gone. Uh, a Scott Harrington could be dealt. You've got it. Maybe even a Gus Nyquist is, is dealt with only two years left on his deal. Uh, so there are some pieces that they could move out. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's also the, the fact that Patrick line is on IR Corpus on IR. Like this, this team hasn't gotten any love from the injury bug as well. And they are still kind of in the playoff race, uh, with it's, you know, surprisingly it's because they're scoring. (laughs) We're not used to a a Columbus team that's scoring their way out of problems. Uh, but yeah, they're, they actually are, are doing pretty well from a scoring standpoint. So the Flyers have a lot of adversity ahead. And I just don't with their current roster and the way that they've been playing, I mean I don't see them digging their way out and we're gonna be left with, you know, this off season where they're gonna have to probably make even bigger changes than they made last year. Yep. Well, uh any other any other team you want to hit on before we uh before we call it?
1: No, I just want to mention uh, Vegas. Is, speaking of teams, Vegas has got to be pretty happy. Jack Campbell started skating, um, so Jack that's Eichel. been great. Jack uh, Jack, Jack Campbell Jack, does play Jack for Campbell. the Maple Leafs, <laughs> right, right? Right. Jack Eichel's been skating, so uh, looks like things are trending in the right direction. And Chicago, Tyler Johnson decided to go out and get the exact same neck surgery, so now a second guy's done it, and um, we'll see if uh, you know this this trend continues with you know people having issues and wanting to elect their own. Own surgeries, which will be great. So, yeah, Yeah, especially Good when it's something Vegas.
0: proven. I mean, yeah, you don't want to go to some witch doctor and have them do something. Right. But uh, yeah, when it's something that's been been proven to work, it's it's crazy to, to. Why Why wouldn't you want your players to have a surgery that has evidence of having a far better recovery w- rate and like and the percentage that you recover at than a, an older surgery just because you, you haven't heard of it. That's like, so crazy to me. <laughs> it blows me. my mind. <laughs> uh you know, it, it 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 the fact that the Buffalo Sabres like pushed that hard against it says to me that there there's some level of like of just idiotic pride that is going to keep <laughs> that organization in the dirt. Like that it to me it all came down to a pride thing because at, at one i remember seeing Kevin Adams say something like you know we we maybe it was like you you can't now we now you can't just like give in you know that's the once you've put your foot in the sand to go well okay never mind we've we've changed our tune then people are going to go oh see all we have to do is just wait it out and the sabers will do what we want them to do and that'll spill over in a contract negotiations. I'm sure that that crossed their mind. That well, oh if, for sure, you know. And so, but it was boneheaded. It had nothing to do with with contracts. Or, it was it was a guy's health, and it was a guy's health beyond his playing career, as the rest of his freaking life. And if if you're not willing to to budge on that, I you you just wonder. Like, I I think that good things tend to happen to to like you know the when you when you exist in the way that you do business you treat people well that's going to play out in a lot of different ways over the years and i just wonder you know if that's the way that the sabers are doing business i think it's going to bite them in the ass and that we're we're looking at a team that is just going to sit in the in the bottom of the league for a long long time until until something very drastic changes there sorry buffalo sabers fans that's what i <laughs> that's that's uh, that's where I think it's it's sitting, and you're not going to yep. do much when you're allowing 90 goals in 24 games. You're at almost, oh, almost four goals a game. Yikes! Well, Justin, have a, is this your last show, or do you have more shows?
1: We got two shows today and that's it.
0: All not right, done. we'll have uh, have a good last two shows. I'll uh, you know say break a leg and uh he, he, the good thing is that you have no chance of that happening because you you sit right yeah. oh, do you sit the whole time or you you move or are you one of the green men
1: oh no no i'm sitting in the pit playing the drums there and we go the whole time there we go so. just don't tri-
0: just yeah just break a leg <laughs> <laughs> and uh and we'll talk uh this week you can find us on twitter at ot hockey talk thanks for joining us we'll talk to you guys soon